Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Welcome back to FOMO Friday. Yes, this is our very first FOMO Friday of 2023. And we like to do these on Fridays where we like to, well, dispel your fear of missing out, especially if you're not listening to propaganda media by going into some news stories that uh, might be of some interest to you. And so from a series of articles from the Daily Wire and AP, uh, we have one here about Ray Epps. Now, Ray Epps is a, a mysterious January 6th figure. Uh, some theorize that he um, might be a federal informant, um, and he told his nephew that he orchestrated, and that's the word he used, orchestrated what transpired that day on tw- in, in 2021. Now, the bombastic assertion was revealed in a lightly redacted transcript released by the House January 6th Committee claiming that he made a poor choice of words to his nephew, Epps insisted to congressional investigators that his actions had nothing to do with inciting the Capitol riot. And to the contrary, he was trying to stop the onset of violence. (laughs) Okay, so Epps, who is seen in video clips encouraging people to, to march into the Capitol, also flatly denied he was acting on behalf of any government agency while in Washington, D.C. His nephew, 28-year-old Dallin, uh, text Epps on the morning of January 6th saying, quote, you and Jim be safe, unquote. Now, Jim is Epps' son, who was also in the nation's capital. And hours later, at 2.12 p.m., As the violence at the Capitol was getting underway, Epps responded with a brag. This is what he responded with. Quote, I was in the front with a few others. I also orchestrated it, he said. Now, investigators pressed Epps to explain his wording. I just meant that I got, well, you have to understand our relationship, uncle, nephew. We hunt together. We fun with each other. We do that kind of stuff, he said. What I meant by orchestrate, I helped get people there, unquote. Now, Epps also said that he took credit for it, but, but I didn't know what I, I was taking credit for. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that's, like a, <laughs> that's like a first grade answer here. And later claimed that he used the wrong word. Yeah, poor choice of words here. I won't know what the right word is. uh, But orchestrating, uh, my wife has told me over and over, you shouldn't be saying you don't. Well, you know, I shouldn't have used that word, he said. (laughs) As Epps would tell it, what he really was eager for was a peaceful demonstration about the election, and he lamented how a party-like gathering was hijacked by troublemakers. Family is a common theme over the course of the interview with the White House Committee, which took place on January 21st of last year. 
Now, um, Epps, an, an Arizona man and a former Oath Keeper, actually, said that he traveled to Washington, D.C. to spend time with his son. He said that he was there uh, at the behest of his wife, who was concerned about their son's safety amid reports of unrest in various cities. Now, despite this motivation, though, Epps described multiple occasions in which he was separated from his son and his son's friend. That included when Epps left uh, the, the uh, Trump's rally on the um, uh, ellipse near the, the, the White House on January 6th, right when the former president started to speak around noon. Now, Epps said that he saw a group of departing for the, the Capitol and decided to follow because he wanted to be in the front. Now, Epps said that he saw people carrying items such as sticks or bars and told them to put them down, warning you could get shot. <laughs> he also said that he wasn't walking with anybody in particular. Epps claimed, uh, be, uh, claimed he believed the Capitol was open to the public on a day when lawmakers were meeting to certify President Joe Biden's 2020 election victory. Now, until he saw the, the barricades outside the building, this is what he believed. And Epps said that he tried to de-escalate brewing clashes between other demonstrators and law enforcement. And after a while, he left to return to the hotel. Now, in another text with his nephew, Epps said this. He said, quote, I think a few got sucked into the heat of the moment, unquote, according to this, this transcript. Now, asked to explain what he meant. Epps cited, well, all kinds of stuff from the preceding year, including the onset of, of COVID and, and business shutting down. I believe people went there for answers. People wanted to know what's next. And, and I believe they were emotionally charged. A lot of people were emotionally charged and, and could have gotten sucked in, Epps said. He also said, so when these guys tried to hijack it, I think some innocent people, people that meant well, probably were emotionally charged and did some things they normally wouldn't do. Now, I say that, you know, what, what Epps is saying here is that he's, he's trying to explain away his role in January 6th, but it doesn't match the video that everyone has. I mean, we there's a number of videos of him um, at, at several different locations, at several different times, trying to incite a riot. And he is doing so, you know, as he's doing so, the, the crowd is not buying it. I mean, they're, they're, they're not getting all rallied up, like he says. In fact, they start calling him out as some someone working for the government. And speaking of not being surprised, shocking to no one, who has, has been paying attention, the largest abortion business in America does not respect children outside the womb any more than they respect them inside the womb. Now, recently, conservative media drew attention to Planned Parenthood's exploitive um, pre, uh, uh, predication uh, for uh, young uh, children, highlighting one more cultural divide between those who want to protect children and those who want to see them as something to use or reject as they see fit. Planned Parenthood is in hot water after comments surfaced revealing that they, that they support sexualizing young children. 
The remarks came from Bill uh, Taverner, who is a director of Planned Parenthood's Center for Sex Education. Now, in 2015, he said children and adults with intellectual disabilities are sexual beings from birth. Earlier, he advocated porn literacy for children as young as kindergarten. Fox News repeated, uh, recently uh, published Taverner's comments in uh, which he stated, quote, we have in our society an assumption of asexuality of people with intellectual disabilities. It's a myth that's perpetuated and re- and really, we are all sexual beings from birth until death. Describing children as sexual beings from birth, it is not how most people would talk about children, and reveals really a uh, really a like a like a pedophile worldview that most people rightly find disturbing. Right? I mean, Taverner's comments are not outside the mainstream of Planned Parenthood. One media outlet noted that Planned Parenthood's sexual education pamphlet called Fundamentals of Teaching Sexuality states that sexuality is a part of life through all ages and stages. Now, if you think that maybe that's just, you know, general thing, well, yeah, all ages and stages. Well, the pamphlet continues and it says babies, elders, and everyone in between can experience sexuality. This perverse impulse to, to sexualize children is also consistent with pop culture phenomenon. I mean, the, the father of the sexual revolution himself, the, you know, Al, Alfred Kin, uh, Kinsey. I mean, he, in, in, in the 1940s and 50s, Kinsey claimed to be a scientist and a researcher, and his, quote, research, unquote, still affects public policy in, in this present day, as we can see here. Starting with the premise that children are sexual beings, uh, Kinsey uh, embraced the mindset of pedophiles who reportedly victimized hundreds of children in the course of this research, unquote. The, the assertions are not wild speculation, but are confirmed by you know, the, the meticulous data. And, and in one particularly disturbing example, Kinsey pushes Table 34. If you haven't seen this, it's in Chapter 5 of his misleading book, The Sexual Behavior in, in Human Male. Uh, the table purports to show the sexual response, as he puts it, of children as young as infants up through adolescence. The horrifying list of sexual abuse and molestation, it's it's an evil diary, and it demonstrates that hundreds of children were victimized by abusers who claimed the children wanted the sexual contact. Now, scholars have argued that the ultimate aim of Kinsey's work was to, you know, just basically destigmatize pornography. And, and Planned Parenthood appears to be enthusiastically on board with this aim. I mean, once again, going after the most vulnerable, and that's our children. Now, in 2012, Taverner claimed there's access to erotica pornography. That was very difficult for young people 30 years ago. It's certainly not as accessible, certainly not as instantaneous. So there's a lot of information 
that is useful. When the when the interviewer interrupt interrupted him to say that that some pornography is is wrong, Tavener said flippantly, "Well, some is wrong. Uh, a lot of it is wrong, but there's good stuff out there as well." So, so what exactly is useful of sexually explicit material for young children? That that would be my question. We don't have to wonder why Planned Parenthood's top executives find it useful, though. Their website states that the abortion business is, quote, the single largest provider of sexual education in the United States, reaching 1.2 million people with education and outreach each year. That's what they say on their own website. That is a large captive audience of children as young as five for Planned Parenthood to sexualize with inappropriate material. And that is exactly what they are doing in schools already. When speaking about pornography, Taverner scoffed at the idea that children are being sexualized, stating that there's a resistance to, uh, if, if we talk about porn, some think it is going to, to make people want to watch it which is the same foul, uh, uh, faulty kind of premise as if we teach about condoms. It's going to make people want to have sex with condoms, or maybe that's not a bad thing, unquote. So no healthy adult wants to discuss and, and normalize pornography with five-year-olds, right? And by discussing these topics and introducing explicit material, so-called sex educators are are changing the way kids think and behave. That's just a part of Planned Parenthood's business model, though. The abortion business wants children to act out and exhibit behavior far beyond their maturity. And and if, as they get older, they find themselves in a difficult situation, even pregnant, where are they going to turn? Well, Planned Parenthood, of course, where they will become paying customers and perhaps end their children's lives. Despite the evidence of Planned Parenthood's and their, their, their own words, a writer recently in the New Republic called Students for Life's concerns evidence of being conspiracy, adding, yet at, at a time when, when most parents, grandparents, family, and friends are making plans for the new year with, with the children in their lives at, at the, the, you know, um, at, 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 at protective centers and, and things like this, it, it's not gone unnoticed that others have a different agenda. Age-appropriate sex education is so important, Travener has said. And he says, and we have to let our experts guide us. Experts? <laughs> Here we go, experts again. Experts at ending life in the womb and getting paid for it? Is that who we have to listen to? Planned Parenthood's particular focus on children, pre-born and born, is alarming. Such experts should not be our guides. None of this should be a surprise at all. It, it is the pro-life community that we see caring and, and, and taking care of mothers that, that are in need and, and in need of help. It is the pro-life community that helps with babies even after they're born. It is the pro-abortion community that just says, as as one vandal wrote on a pro-life billboard recently, kill them babies. 
in, in, in the same column as not respecting life, there comes this story of a terrible attack in New York uh, City on New Year's Eve. Uh, the, the teenager suspected of attacking three New York City police officers with a, a machete is, on New Year's Eve has been charged with attempted murder. And this is what the, the police said on Monday. According to authorities, the 19-year-old from Wells, Maine, attacked three New York officers near Times Square on Saturday and at, at roughly 10, 11 p.m., attempting to strike one before hitting two other officers in the head with the weapon. The suspect has been charged with two counts of attempted murder and two counts of attempted assault. And the, the suspect was reportedly placed on an FBI terror watch list recently after his aunt claimed that he had been radicalized online and expressed desire to fight overseas for Islamic extremists. <laughs> he allegedly made a pro-jihadi statement from his hospital bed and had writings in his backpack that contained Islamic extremist propaganda. Law enforcement sources told NBC that the suspect had been interviewed by federal investigators before the machete attack. And officers also said the teenager had written instructions in a diary about where he wanted to be buried and who should get his belongings. The suspect also allegedly wrote that he was sorry for disappointing his mom and wants his brother to join him in his radical Islamic beliefs. Authorities were um, are actually investigating whether the attack was inspired by radical Islam extremism, CBS News reported. I mean, come on. Everything that I just said to you, and CBS says, um, well, investigators are investigating whether or not this is you know, inspired by radical Islamic extremism. <laughs> really? Please be, believe the teenage suspect traveled via Amtrak from Maine to New York earlier this last week. And sources told CBS that the uh, NYPD was not aware the suspect was placed on the FBI terror watch list. The suspect was subdued after he was shot in the shoulder by one of the officers that he attacked, and all three NYPD officers were taken to a hospital and have since been released. The suspect was also ta taken to the hospital for treatment and is suspected to survive his injuries. Now, one officer identified as an eight-year veteran uh, sustained a laceration to the head, and another who graduated, get this, he graduated from the police academy um, a week ago Friday, <laughs> suffered a skull fracture and large laceration. How, how's, how'd you like that to be like your, you know, your first week on the job, right? NYPD Commissioner uh, Kitchenant uh, Sewell said, uh, said that uh, the officers were going to be okay. So let me recap this story for you, okay? Christian is radicalized and attempts to kill people with a machete. Oh, wait a minute. No, that's not right. Uh, Pro-lifer is radicalized and attempts to kill people with a machete. Oh, wait a minute. That's, that's not right either. Uh, oh, I know. I got it. Parent in opposition to local school board policy is radicalized and attempts to kill people with a machete. Hmm. I don't think that's it either. Um, Muslim is radicalized and attempts to kill people with a machete. Yes, that's it. That's what it was. Uh, 
But even though he is on the FBI watch list and he buys a train ticket to New York City, the FBI says nothing to local officials. Well, why is that? Maybe because the FBI is too busy breaking into the homes of and and arresting pro-life Christians or shutting down free speech on social media to be worried about terrorists? That might be it. I don't know. And, And speaking of which, a key federal agency worked with gun control advocates to bury a study that showed law-abiding firearm owners use them to protect themselves millions of times per year, according to a report. Now, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, deleted a reference to the study, which it had commissioned. It was the one that commissioned it after gun control advocates said that it made passing new gun laws more difficult. Oh, yeah, can't have that. The Second Amendment, the pro-Second Amendment site, The Reload, reported that the White House and powerful Illinois Democratic Senator Dick Durbin helped arrange a series of meetings at which the gun control advocates convinced the agency to hide the study. Um, Quote, that 2.5 million number needs to be killed, buried, dug up, killed again, and buried again, unquote. Now, Mark Bryant, head of the Gun Violence Archive, uh, wrote to the CDC officials after a meeting. And he wrote uh, saying, it is highly misleading to use, uh, it is used out of context, and I honestly believe it has zero value, even as an outlier point in honest DGU discussions, unquote. Now, Bryant's email was one of a handful obtained by the Reload, which illustrates how gun control lobbyists are triggered by the study by Florida State University criminology professor Gary Kleck. Now, that study was one of several the CDC uh, reviewed on defensive gun uses, and Kleck's findings uh, represented the upper end of the estimates of how many law, lawful gun owners defended themselves. We've, we've talked about that study here on the podcast. Now, Bryant uh, complained that Kleck's estimate was misinformation. Of course he did. And should be eliminated from the CDC's website because gun rights advocates are using it as ammunition for their Second Amendment arguments. Oh, yeah, can't have that. The CDC initially stood by the study and listed it in the Fast Facts, Firearm Violence Prevention portion of its website. But after the September 15th, 2021 virtual meeting with the gun control advocates, the agency assured them it would revise the section in 2022, according to a December 10th, 2021 email obtained by the Reload. Quote, we are planning to update the fact sheet in early 2022, after the release of some new data. This is this is from Beth uh, Remmels, who is Associate Director of, uh, for Policy, Partnerships, and Strategic Communication at the CDC Division of Violence Prevention. And she wrote this in an email. Quote, we will also make some edits to the content we discussed that I think will address the concerns you and other partners have raised. Now, in... In 2022, references to the study hmm, involving defensive gun use were scrubbed from the website. Surprise, surprise. Quote, estimates of defensive gun use vary depending on the questions asked. 
population studied timeframes and other factors related to study design. The site now cites this and, and says, given the wide uh, variability in estimates, additional research is necessary to understand defensive gun use, uh, prevalence, uh, frequency, uh, circumstances, and outcomes. Now, the CDC did not respond to Reload when they requested, you know, hey, can you talk to us about this? And they're like, nah, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, Click uh, called the decision blatant censorship, meant to skew the, the debate over the gun rights. And of course it is. I mean, there's, there's no two ways around that. Um, you know, Bryant's group is, is one of several gun control advocacy organizations that have used a broad definition of mass shootings they basically what they do is they in, instead of the normal what what is a mass shooting and what can we call a mass shooting uh they say well if, if four people are injured then we can call that a mass shooting instead of if four people if there's four fatalities and so what that does it drives up the numbers of mass shootings by 10 times when you start looking at it that way uh, but when it comes to you know defining self uh defensive gun use incidences Gun Violence um, Archive uses decidedly different criteria, so they don't use the same criteria when it's not something they want to have have looked at, right? Uh, the CDC sought to explain its decision to remove defensive gun use statistics from its fact sheet in response to a query from the trace that it, it uh, ultimately never sent. So it, in it, the CDC said that the fact that the the range of estimates uh, was was so varied uh, might might raise some more questions than it answers. So again, here's an here's another example of the medical industry prostituting itself out for money and political power. I mean, the CDC commissions a study; they're the ones that commissioned it. But when the findings come back different than the than the liberal narrative, it pulls the information. Why did it do that? Because the truth makes it hard to pass gun control laws. When you look at the truth, you can't you, you, you can't then do what you want to do, and that's get rid of guns. But let's end on a lighter note, can we? Two people in Florida were arrested after one of them made a 911 call to get help with moving their belongings from a home they were burglarizing. <laughs> yes, that's what I said. Deputies responded to a home Saturday after a 911 call was made, but nobody spoke. And the Polk County Sheriff's Office said at, um, at, at the home, the deputies concluded that nobody lived there. But they found a male suspect and his girlfriend inside the home after entering it through an unlocked door. And deputies had been searching for the male suspect after identifying him from security video as a burglar at a Dollar General store uh, in Florida where several items were stolen earlier in the day. The sheriff officer said in a statement uh, that the um, Point Acana, uh, Florida, is, is about 35 miles south of Orlando. And while um, talking to deputies, the female suspect told them that she had called 911 for the purpose of having law enforcement help them move their belongings from the house that they were burglarizing. <laughs> what a great idea, right? We need help. Let's call the police. And, and not even the non-emergency number. We're going we're gonna to use 911. They also wanted to get a ride to the airport so they could spend the weekend in New York, the sheriff's officer said. I mean, this, this is one of those you, do, you just 
you can't quit laughing about. Quote, deputies did help them with their belongings and did give them a ride. It just wasn't to the airport. <laughs> it was to the uh, the pol- polky, <laughs> the sheriff's officer said so in a Facebook post. So, so obviously they're making light of all this too. Uh, they said, quote, and they were they are welcome to stay there all weekend long. <laughs> the polk polky is much better than New York anyway. <laughs> Which I have not been to New York. Not even I haven't even been to Florida. I, I would much rather go to Florida than New York. But, you know, I'll, we'll see. You know, hopefully I'll, I'll get to, to, to visit both places at some point. Um, would love to go down and see see the Keys. That's, that's always been one of those things on the list, right? But the male suspect uh, in this case was charged with burglary and theft related to the store and also burglary uh, of a residence. The female suspect was charged with burglary of a residence, according to the sheriff's office. I mean, it doesn't, like I say, it just doesn't get any better than this when you have people that that, uh, that rob a store and then they're trying to, to get help moving all the stuff that they, that they burglarized and they call 911 to help them out and to take them to the airport so they can take a vacation. So like I say, we, we, wanted, we always like to end on a little bit of a lighter note and this definitely qualifies as that. But anyway, if there's anything in here, if, there, if there's something that you that you, you, you definitely want to talk about. Uh, if there's one of these uh, stories that, that just, you know, brings up something, may, maybe there's something in it that you, that, uh, uh, that you've heard otherwise, you know, wh- whatever the case may be, would definitely love to hear from you. And of course, you can always do that. You can go to our Facebook page. Uh, you can go to our Instagram, MeWe, all those places. You, we would love to have a discussion, even if it's just there. We'd love to have that discussion with you. Or of course, you can always go to uncommonsensepodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.